Welcome to church family. Thank you for our visitors. For those who don't know me, my name is Matt. Um, I love Jesus and I try my best to follow him. I want to start this sermon this morning with a, a confession, two statements and a confession. The first one is that the statement is important for us to save the church WhatsApp number on our phones, right? That's the statement. Number one, save the church WhatsApp number. If you don't know what it is, Danny is going to put it up. Our church WhatsApp number, save it in your phone. Every nation, Helderberg. That's very important. That's statement number one. Statement number two, it's actually even more important to read the messages that come from the WhatsApp number. Now, the confession that I have is that two weeks ago, my wife and I, we got up, we got dressed, put on our Sunday best, and we came to church. As we drove in, we started thinking, it's either everybody's really late this morning, or should we should have checked the WhatsApp number, because there was no service, and uh, not to embarrass anyone, but quite a number of us were here. <laughs> so, let's check the messages. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that your word brings life. Your word says when the entrance of your word comes in, there is the entrance of light. And so, Father, Lord, even as we cover this topic of miracles, thank you, Lord, that you're bringing clarity. Thank you, Lord, that you are breaking even some of the theology and the teaching and the doubt that we have in our hearts and that your truth shall reign supreme. Amen. And amen. Straight into the word this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, please go to John chapter 4. I'll be reading from the New International Version, it will be also put up, we're speaking about the healing of the official son, and it's going to be from uh, verse 46 to 54. If you've got your tablets or your phones, take a minute to swipe through and I'll, I'll read. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, we're talking about Jesus here, where he had turned the water into wine, and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick in Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Whilst he was still on his way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. I love the way that John tells these stories as he tries to articulate the, the life of Jesus and he, he points to these stories to reflect and to try and bring out who Jesus actually is. And he's given the narration of the story that Jesus has just performed his first miracle uh, at the wedding and he's turned the water to wine. And as you can imagine, back then, uh, there was no social media, there were no emails, everything was word of mouth, right? And you can imagine, and I'm imagining in my head that someone's like, hey, did you know what? Did you hear what happened at the wedding last week? Like, what happened? There was this oak who came and this is what he did. And the other someone could have said, I don't believe that. There's no way. 
right? And like, you know, no, I, I promise you, his name is Jesus. He grew up over there. We know him. Like, he turned water to wine, and news about him starts to spread. It starts to spread. And as he starts to walk around, crowds start to gather around him. And as the crowds are gathering around him, they, they start off their 10, their 20, their 30, their 40. The crowd is getting bigger and bigger as we read in the Gospels. And in that crowd, there are different types of people, right? In that crowd, there are some people who are just coming to Jesus because they want to see a miracle, right? They're like, I have to see this for myself. In every crowd, there are people that are there just to, is this really true? Like, is this really happening? Like, there's absolutely no way. I have to see it for myself, right? And you read about the Sadducees and the Pharisees standing on the sidelines and just trying to see what's really going on here. Is it, is it, is it really true? Is, was that guy really blind? Is that really the, the guy who couldn't walk? Like, I need to see it for myself to believe it because there's no video to be sent. There's no website to go and check out. You need to just go there and see it for yourself just out of curiosity. Like, is this the real deal, right? And that happens a lot right now in the body of Christ. There are... People who just go to like, is that really happening in that church? Like, are people's problems actually being solved? Like, I, I need to go and attend and to see it for myself. But even in that crowd, even though there were people who just wanted to see, there were people who actually came in because they needed miracles. Right? There were people who were like, I'm not coming here to see if this is... I'm coming here because I personally need a miracle. Like, I, I have a problem. Think about blind Bartimaeus, hearing that Jesus is walking by and he starts to shout out, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, heal me. He, he's got a problem, right? You know the story of the friends who, who come to Jesus and he's in a house and it's so crowded and they, they carry their friend on a mat. They get to the roof and they basically break the roof. They break the ceiling and they lower their friend on the mat to Jesus because they they actually need a miracle. And every time we congregate like this, there are people amongst us who actually need God to come through for them. But so you've got people who want to see a miracle, people who need a miracle, but even in the crowd at the same time, you have people who are seeking the God of the miracle. There's some people who are saying, do you know what, God, uh, it's lovely to see the miracle, right? It's lovely that you've given me the miracle, but it's even better that I've met you, the God who gives the miracles. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Where do you sit in this crowd? Are you, when we talk about miracles, are you sitting from the, the periphery and saying, you know what, I'm going to watch this. I, I, I'm not so comfortable about this thing. I'm going to sit on the sidelines and see how this happens. And I know there's been so much abuse in the church uh, around miracles and People have been so um, taken astray by uh, the power of God and people performing things and then eventually taking money from them and putting them into bondage. And sometimes we, that pushes us to the periphery. We're not trusting. We're like, ah, this is getting a bit wonky and a bit weird. And the next thing that's going to happen here, we're going to be asked to stand on, on our tippy toes and do a hula hoop and then lick the ceiling. I'm, I'm not interested in that. So I want to stand in the periphery, right? And then there's some of you who are like, do you know what? When all of this is happening, I'm sitting in the crowd and I'm coming in Sunday after Sunday, going home and I'm saying, God, I need a miracle. One of these Sundays, one of these prayer meetings, one of these Fridays, as I'm at home, as I'm driving, God, I really, really, really need a miracle. And then maybe you're like, God, I, I, I just want to know you, whether my prayer is answered or not. 
And this is where this man was. This man was in Capernaum, and he had a son who was sick. And then he hears that Jesus is coming. He hears that that oak who turned the water to wine, we've heard that he's doing all these amazing things. And it's like, wait, wait a minute. If he can do it for those people, maybe he can do it for me. And so he gets off his, his high horse and he, he humbles himself and he says, I am going to go to this Jesus. The two stories which are quite similar, there's another one also of a centurion, which is almost quite similar. And these were people in authority. But you see, they, they live to go to Jesus. You see, miracles should lead people to Jesus. When people hear about what God has done for you and for me, it should lead them to Jesus. They should be able to leave their homes and their houses and their cities, their amazing jobs, their BMW 745Is. They should be able to come to Jesus because they're realizing that when I go to Jesus, my problem will be met. So verse 47 says, when this man heard that Jesus arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him. This is the power of testimonies. When we share our testimonies and we talk about what God has done for us, as outrageous as it sounds, you never would lead someone to Jesus. We went to Victoria Falls this December, and as we were driving back on the last day, the roads are really terrible between Victoria Falls and Bulawayo, which is the second capital in Bulawayo in Zimbabwe. And it was raining really terribly. And the roads are full of potholes. Um, our kids all have motion sickness. The moment they get into a car, they all fall asleep, wife included. On this particular day, she was not sleeping because it was raining terribly. And one of our wipers actually got taken by the, by the rain. So now we're driving a car with one wiper. The other wiper is scratching at the windscreen. But we can't stop because, number one, it's raining so badly We've got very poor visibility. The road is full of potholes, and there are all these buses and trucks that are trying to avoid the potholes and, and the bad road and coming and swerving out of the road. And so if we stopped, we would have been sitting ducks. The night before, we'd just gotten a message from her sister that said there was a family that had actually been driving from Victoria Falls, and unfortunately, they had an accident, and two of the children died. So we are already driving with some fear in our hearts. And... So it's just my wife and I, we are, we are awake, the kids are sleeping in the back, and we said, we need to pray for the rain to stop. Like, we have no option right now but to pray for the rain to stop. And very audacious, like, let's pray for this rain to stop. And we start praying, speaking in tongues and declaring, Lord, you're able to do this. You are supernatural. You're able to make this rain to stop. And the rain immediately stopped. And we drove to the next city. And then we carried on with our journey. My carnal mind tells me, Matt, you did geography, right? You did science. You probably were just driving past the cumulonimbus cloud and then getting into a region where there's a Cyrus cloud. And that one, you know, it's got less rain. And so it was a change of regions and not really the power of God. And that is what our minds do. Whenever God actually answers your prayer and comes through for you, whenever you actually get to a point where I have prayed for this God, I've trusted for this, your mind tells you it's a coincidence. You know, it happens sometimes, they just pick CVs and they, you know, it happens. But you've been praying and fasting and believing God for this thing. But this man was like, do you know what? I am going to go to this oak 
because I actually seriously trust that he can heal my son. Another quick testimony. A few years ago, our daughter was diagnosed with a disease and really worried us. Some of our relatives saw this on pictures and they're like, there's something going on with Mimi. You know, and so we thought it's going to go away. It's, it's going to be, you know, with time it will heal. But it got worse and worse and worse. And then so we went to our GP and our GP said, look, this needs a specialist. This is beyond my, my level of knowledge. You need to go to a specialist who deals with the skin and those type of things. I forgot the medical term for those type of doctors. And so we left. Um, we used our medical aid. We went to look for a doctor somewhere in Tiger Valley. We got there after a couple of consultations, very expensive consultations. The doctors were like, you basically have two options. The first option is your daughter needs to get onto medication from now for the rest of her life. That means she needs to be taking this medication twice or three times a week for the rest of her life and use this type of creams and all that. And they said the other option is that she needs to go through laser treatment. So she basically needs to come in once every two months or so, whatever the date was, and then she'll get this laser treatment, and that also is supposed to happen for the rest of her life. We went home as parents and we were like, none of these options are cool. None of these options are cool. We don't want a daughter to be taking medication for the rest of her life. Neither can we afford for her to go for these later treatments for the rest of her life. We need to pray about it. And so we, we came to the church and we, we told the elders at that time, and we were still in Beaumont, and Pierre was like, do you know what? Let's get the elders together. I don't know if the elders even remember this, but they got a little bit of oil and they rubbed oil over his skin. And at that moment, she wasn't healed. It didn't like psh, disappear. But day by day, week by week, it started to get better and better. And now she's 100% free from it. Praise the Lord. Your carnal mind right now is telling you, you know, as her atoms were growing and she was getting older, her immune system started to develop and started to fight that thing. The doubt in you would say, hey, Matt, maybe it's going to come back after 15 years. Maybe when she's 30, it's going to develop again. Maybe, you know, diseases, sometimes they, they go up, they go down. Maybe it's still hiding in her skin. But you know what? As a family, we know that we prayed. We know that we trusted God. We know that we came with our daughter like this guy to the feet of Jesus and said, Jesus, we have a problem and only you can solve this. And he came through for us. Now, the power of miracles or the outcome of miracles is for people to believe in Jesus. That is the real reason why there are miracles. At the end, it says that this man, after his son was healed, he walks away and he he believes, he and his household believe in Jesus. They're like, this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. This is, he is able. Miracles are not supposed to point to people. And you see that a lot in the body of Christ. I remember when um, I was a youth, we, uh, we went to this youth camp. And there was this pastor. Like This pastor was like, he was renowned for, for being the guy with the Holy Spirit. When this guy came, you know stuff was going to happen. So this guy came to this service and he's praying for people and people are falling down and people are speaking in tongues. And, but there were so many young people who needed prayer after he preached. So he said to the other leaders, I can't pray for everyone, so I'm going to ask the other pastors to come and help me to pray. So figure this, I'm going to use an example. If you can come, Eugene, P, 
Pete can come, my wife can come, Mala can come. These are the four pastors who are there, and they're standing. You guys can look that way. Pete, you've got to be faster than that, Bri. Right, so these guys are all ready to pray for people, and they've got their hands out, get ready to pray for people. And all the young people are here, and they know that Eugene is the guy with the Holy Spirit, right? He's the guy who breaks things. So you're in a queue, and like, go to Pete, everyone's just going, <laughs> because this is the guy who carries. And all the other pastors are like, they're ready to pray for people. They're ready to lay hands. But all the young people wanted to go to Eugene. And when they got a prayer from Mala, they were just like, yeah, do your thing. Okay, my, my prayer is not going to get answered. <laughs> and they went to sit down. Because there's this understanding that there's this amazing person when the miracles that are going on, everything points to him. But when we know that it's not about Eugene, it's not about Matt, it's not about Pierre, it's about the God of miracles. And he can use any one of us, he can use any one of you to answer a prayer. There's no reason for us to congregate about someone. You guys can sit. And so these miracles, they should point us all to Jesus. This guy was like, do you know what? I'm going to go to this guy because I'm hearing these miracles and the outcome of these miracles is that we're going to believe in him. Now, the power of miracles is that we need to obey when God speaks to us. Part of the challenge that we have is we have a preconceived idea of how we want our miracles to be answered. If you read the story of the Gospels, every single time, there was a difference in pattern in the way that Jesus would heal people. Sometimes it would be like, put some uh, spit on the ground, put it on your eyes, you're going to see. Someone would be like, take up your mat and walk. Someone else would be like, I'm going to lay my hands on you. You're going to be fine. But this guy went with an understanding of how he wanted Jesus to heal his son. He goes and he says, Jesus, I have a son back home who is lying sick. I'd like you to come and heal him. He said, you know what? If I get Jesus, I go with him to my house. We get there. He does his thing. My son is going to be healed. And Jesus says, do you know what? Go. Your son will live. 90% of us would have been like, uh, all right, that's pretty cool. But just to make me feel better, could you just come with me? It just, just as insurance, right? Can we just go together and just make sure that, you know, don't you want to throw some water on him? Or don't you want to, you know, just massage him a little you know, Jesus, don't you just, you know, you just, don't you want to like, you know, just, uh, you know, give him a hug just to make sure that, but Jesus said, go and leave. Your son will be fine. How many times has Jesus said to some of us, go, you're going to be fine. Go, you're going to be healed. Go, that problem will be solved. But we already have this expectation that my miracle needs to come this way. I try to read the Bible and trying to envision what I see and imagine what's actually happening in these moments. There is actually nothing really flashy about Jesus' miracles. Do you guys know that? There's nothing out of this world super entertaining about the way that Jesus performed miracles. And so I get really worried when I go to the faith and I see a lot of gymnastics around miracles. A lot of theatrical 
acting and a lot of performance, you know, to try and convince people that the power of God is present. Jesus just said, go. Your son will live. Have we come to church expecting a performance? Unless if Pierre starts sweating and he starts crying and there's thunder in the sky, then my problem will not be solved. Maybe God is saying this morning, go, your son will live. And the Bible says, when Jesus said go, the man believed God's word. Miracles are founded on God's word. Not on people, not on music, not on the way we felt in the service, but on God's word. Because eventually it is God's word that is true. And so if God promises you something and he gives you a word, you need to trust and believe that word. As I read more and more of the Bible and these stories, I see less and less of the stories and more and more actually of the heart of God. And this morning, I want to just read two or three other stories just to try and learn the sermon about God coming through for families. Here was a father who came to Jesus and said, look, I've got, a, I've got a son who's sick. Jesus, please heal him. God is willing to do that today. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, it says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word, so the disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out to us. So here's a woman who's got a daughter who's got a problem, and she comes and she says, I've heard about this Jesus. This Jesus can help me with my daughter's situation. And there are people who are like, she's making noise. She, she needs to be pushed away. Uh, she's making noise. But this woman came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request has been granted. And your daughter and her daughter was healed at that moment. Here's another story of a lady in the, in the Bible who her daughter has got a problem. He come, she comes to Jesus and she's like, Jesus, I need you to come through and help me out with my daughter. And people are pushing her away. But she's persistent. I have a problem. I have a child. I can't find any other solution but to bring her to Jesus. And eventually her prayer is answered. Another story, Matthew 17 verse 14. When, the, when they came to the crowd... A man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Another story of a father. My son has got seizures. I've tried different disciples, but it's not being solved. Jesus, I need to bring my son to you. And so... He brings his son, and Jesus healed him. Luke 7, verse 11. This will be the last one. There are tons of them. You'll see a pattern of parents in the Bible. 
who had problems with their children coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, you can help me with this problem. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples in a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. Now, this is not sick. This is not seizures. This person has a child that's actually dead. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, and only this person was the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and detached the buyer that they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were filled with awe, and they praised God. A great prophet has appeared amongst us, and they said, God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. The child was actually dead. Some of us have got small problems with our children. Some of us have got, okay, this problem is a bit serious. Some of us have dead situations. We're like, there's no return from this. But Jesus can see the heart of this mother. And he can see how heartbroken she is. And he says, do you know what, parent? Your son will live again. This word this morning is for parents and for children. Some of you have things that you're believing for, for your children. Some of you have situations that you're like, only God can come through for my son. Some of you grandparents have things that you're believing even for your grandchildren. And for some of your sons and your daughters who don't live in the Heldeberg anymore. And you know you've come to the end of your wits. You've tried everything that you can. And you're saying, God, I am trusting you for a miracle. Do you know that God is able? God is faithful. And God is willing. God is able. God is faithful. And God is willing. Say it with me, church. God is able. God is faithful. God is willing. God is able. God is faithful. God is willing. God is able. God is faithful. And God is willing. If you'd like prayer for a child, a son, or a daughter, or a family member that is not here, I'm going to ask us to stand. If your daughter or your son is here and you're believing for something for them, just wrap them around you, hug them. We had a friend from the UK who was at, at our place this week and he was telling us of a story of when they immigrated, there was this school which had a long, long waiting list and they were like, there's no way we're going to get into the school. We've just moved uh, to Reading in the UK and they just prayed about it and beyond that long, long waiting list, the son was chosen and given a place. Some of you might say, yeah, that happens sometimes. Sometimes they randomly pick people on the list and give you a place. But they prayed and they trusted a God who was able, a God who is faithful, and a God who is willing. If you'd like prayer this morning for a son, for a daughter, for a grandchild, and there's something specific you're believing for, may you raise so we can pray. If your son or your daughter or the person that you're believing for is right here, 
hold them tight, hug them. We're bringing them to the feet of Jesus. We're bringing them to the feet of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, because you, you are able. Thank you, Father, because you are faithful. Thank you, Father, because this morning you are willing to answer all these prayers. All these prayers that are represented here, Lord. As we've read about all these families, fathers and mothers who took their children, trusting you, coming to you and saying, God, we have this problem. We have this problem, Father, and we have no other solution. We have no other way. We have no other option but to come to you. And trusting in you, oh Lord, they, they brought their plea before you. And so, Father, I bring all these pleas and all these requests and all these things that these families are trusting and believing for. We're thanking you, Jesus, that you are a God who answers prayers. Father, we declare that there will be testimonies of miracles from these families. Thank you, Lord, that over the next days, over the next weeks, over the next months, Father, that breakthroughs that people have been believing for, for weeks and days and months, Father, Lord, there will be the breaking of breakthroughs in our lives. We pray, Almighty Father, that these testimonies will not only be for us, but, Father, that these stories will be to give glory to your name. That when people hear about the amazing things that you have done for us as parents, as grandparents, the amazing things that you have done for our children, how you have resurrected them, how you have given them opportunities, how you have rescued them, how you have healed them. Father, all these stories and all these miracles will ultimately lead all people to you, Jesus. Amen and amen. We can take our seats. Family, I want to encourage you when God answers these prayers don't be silent about it don't keep it to your own family don't be like oh God came through for us alone spread the word talk about Jesus maybe there is some high official somewhere sitting in his office who needs to hear about what Jesus has done for you and he also will come to Jesus and his prayers will be answered. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. I'm praying for miracles in the church this year. Amen. Amen. Don't you think Matt looks like the smartest man in the world right now? Yes. Guys, what a blessing. As, us, as Matt said, let's, let's continue to trust. And where there's a testimony, let's share it. Because Ultimately, it's not about us, it's about God and how much He cares for you and for your kids. And uh, yeah, be blessed this week as we head out. Um, may the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the truth of His Son be with us now and forever. Amen. Have a great week.